G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au Realfaith.org.au God had given us a little girl earlier. She was lovely, but now he's taken from us this lovely little boy, beautiful child. That was the biggest challenge. I can tell you it was so, so difficult. I went outside and I sat on the side of a well. When I sat on the side of the well, I shook my fist in the face of God and said, why? Why? What have we done? Why why have you taken this child from us? Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith. Well, today we have part two of a series of interviews featuring the wonderful love story of Bill and Glad Forward. They were married over 50 years and had many adventures as missionaries to India and several other countries. Bill is sharing his and his late wife Glad's story. Sadly, Glad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2004 and passed away in October of 2022, just a few months after these interviews were recorded. As we mentioned last time, you may have seen Bill and Glad on TV several years ago as they were featured on the 60 Minutes program in a segment called For Better or Worse. Last time we heard how it all began when they were children growing up together. Today we'll hear how they eventually married and were led by the Lord to be missionaries in India. We'll also hear about some of the challenges they faced as a young married couple in a foreign land. All that more is coming up today as Bill Ford shares more of their lifelong journey together. The love story of Bill and Glad Ford. When you forget my name And all our hair is gray I'll love you Just as much as the first time We've been going to those evening Bible studies together, but I just knew that I needed more. I was going to be a missionary. That was what God wanted me to do. I was absolutely convinced. So I then enrolled in a Bible college in Sydney, and of course that meant two years away from her. And one of the the rules of the Bible college was that we were not to have any uh, establish any relationship between ourselves and and the opposite sex while we were there, unless Mm -hmm. we were engaged to be married or already married. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I'm going to fix this up because (laughs) I'm going to be away for GLAD for two years. I wanted her to be absolutely assured that I would keep my promises to her Mm -hmm. and I loved her. And I said to her, even though we're very young, will you marry me? I went around to see her mum. I asked her mum for permission to ask her. And then we were engaged before I went to Bible college. And I was away for two years. I did come back for a little bit in the middle of it, uh, Mm -hmm. like at the end of semesters and things like that. But basically, she knew that I loved her, that we were promised to each other. And even though I was away for two years doing that, uh, I would come back and we would together do things for God. 
Now, that, of course, is really an interesting part because that brings us to the time when I had to make a decision about what the Lord wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. I studied really hard. I I excelled in the studies. I did Greek. I did a bit of Hebrew, and I studied the Scriptures. I devoted myself to do it because I knew I had a purpose. I needed to prepare to be what God wanted me to be. And in my second year, I was studying and passed exams in John's Gospel. I got good marks in most of those subjects. But this Sunday, I was going back through John's Gospel to more or less see it from a devotional point of view rather than from the academic point of view. Mm -hmm. And as I read chapter 20 of John's Gospel, it was an amazing experience to me. Suddenly, verse 21 of John's Gospel stood out out of that chapter 20. And verse 21 said, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Mm -hmm. And it was as if that came out of the page, and this was my calling. This is what God wants me to do. This is who I must now be, because as the Father sent Jesus, he was now sending me to be a messenger of the gospel, a teacher of God's word. I, I just absolutely surrendered right there. Yes, Lord, I'll go, I'll go. But naturally, the question was where? Yeah. So I went, this was Sunday morning, and so I went along to my church, and it was in Sydney, of course, and as I was there, I noticed some families from Queensland come, families that I knew. Now, I didn't intend to stay for the sermon because we had an afternoon program with young people, and I thought, I'll just wait until they have a communion service, and then after that, they'll have the sermon, so I'll leave. Mm -hmm. But once I saw that family, I, I couldn't leave. I had to stay to see them. So I did, and I, I still remember the, the secretary of the church, he got up to give whatever announcements there were right at the very end. As he gave the announcements, he said, oh, yes, yeah, so there you go. But then he went to sit down. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. I got a letter this week. It came by sea. I need to uh, read it to you. And in that mm-hmm. letter was a letter from an elderly couple in India who said, we're reaching the stage where we need to consider retiring from the work here. Is there a student in the Bible college? Is there someone called by the Lord who would be willing to come to India? This person needs to be someone who's good at languages, who is good as this and and good at that and good at something else. And this person ideally will be married or engaged to me. Look, it was me. Yeah. The description, Mm -hmm. it was my. So I went to the secretary. I said, please, can I have that letter? That letter is for me, not for Mm. you. It's for me. Yeah. And I took that letter and I wrote immediately to India uh, and said to them, God has called me. I'm the man. Uh, What do you want me to do? How do I go about coming? Now, in the meantime, poor Glad, she didn't know anything about this. Yeah, I was going to say, did she know anything about her future? She did not. She did not. And we were just at the end of the semester. I got in a train, came back to Brisbane. I went straight round to her house and I said, my sweet... God has called me to go to India. And she looked at me. I thought she'd be delighted, but she wasn't. She was afraid. She said, well, what about me? What about me? Well, you'll be my wife. No, I won't be a missionary's wife. I have also to be called by God to go. And I thought to myself, well, God will definitely call you because we know it's God's will for us to be together. He's called me. He'll call you. 
Eric, the, the amazing thing is that our church has had a series of what we call missionary conferences once every three months in different areas. Mm-hmm. And in Ashgrove in Brisbane, that weekend, when I had just come back from Bible college, just told Glad that I was called to India, there was a missionary conference at Ashgrove. So I went with her to that conference, and there was a gentleman there who was a visiting missionary He came from Angola in Africa, of all places. Mm -hmm. And as he stood to speak, he looked out at the congregation and he pointed out with his finger. I can still see it today. He said, if you are 21 and God has called you to the mission field, go. And I thought, how does he know? How does he know? I'm thinking I'm only 21. I'm really too young for this. But he said, no, Mm -hmm. 21 is the exact time you should go because you're bold, you're courageous, you Mm -hmm. can learn the language, you have no children, you have no difficulty. So for me, uh, you know, I just felt that God has sent this man as an incredible confirmation, if you like, Mm -hmm. to what he had said to me down in, in Sydney. Yeah, but what about Glad? Well, his next sentence was this. If you're the fiancé or the wife of such a person, you go. And I could feel her hands in mine. We were sitting there, and suddenly she heard it. She heard it, and she said, yes, yes. And so so God confirmed it to us on that day. Look, I tell you, I have never forgotten it. It is there in my heart. It is that calling that is the will of God. And both Glad and I then went with God's hand upon us to go to India. It was amazing. Mm. And this was about 1960? It was 1962 mm-hmm. okay. when that happened. Mm-hmm. And so I had been in contact and correspondence with India. In those days, everything was slow. Airmail was not very good. At there. In fact, there was no airmail. Everything was going by ship. And so uh, it was really difficult to get things. The Indian missionary folks sent a message saying, that's wonderful. We want to welcome you. We're very glad. Now we suggest you come as single people. Uh, you come individually and you'll go to Bible college singly or to a language college singly. And then after you've been here for a period, then you can get married and all that sort of thing. Why did they not want you to be married? I don't know. I don't huh. know. That was just the policy. Yeah, it was their policy. But my church leaders said, no way, no Mm. way. We want you to be married before you go. And so they said, we will do everything to help you. And so they corresponded with the people in India and said, we know what you've said, but we know that it's not God's will for them to go singly. We want them to be married. We want to send them to you as a young married couple. And then after that, they can learn the language and and Mm -hmm. they can support one another Mm -hmm. in the midst of whatever it is they're doing. So we were very grateful. And yes, in May 1963, we were married on the 18th of May. And we're just so grateful to God that we've had all these wonderful years together serving Him. Our guest today is once again Bill Ford, who's sharing his and his late wife Glad's story. As we just heard, the Lord led them to be missionaries in India. Next, we'll hear about their experiences there, including how the Lord used their tragedy to help their ministry in an unexpected way. All that more is coming up when we return right here on Real Faith. 
The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. And you can listen to past programs about the impact faith has had on others. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today my guest once again is Bill Forward, who's sharing his and his late wife Glad's story. Before the break, we heard how the Lord led them to be missionaries in India when they were a young couple in their early 20s. Next, we'll hear about some of the challenges they faced in India and some major disappointments. The biggest challenge, I guess, came to us when our second child was born. Mm-hmm. This child was a beautiful boy. Now, Glad is quite a petite person, but this lovely little baby was 10 pounds 10 in the old scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and quite big. A big baby mm-hmm. for a, a small lady or a petite lady. Mm-hmm. Beautiful child, but he just faded. Mm-hmm. And 28 hours later, he died. Oh, mm-hmm. that was such a shock to us. Mm-hmm. God had given us a little girl earlier. She was lovely. But now he's taken from us this lovely little boy, beautiful Mm. child. That was the biggest challenge. I can tell you it was so, so difficult. So much so that uh, they sedated Glad, which is good for her. But Mm. for me, no. The child had just faded away and had passed away. I went outside and I sat on on, on the side of a well when I sat on the side of the well, I shook my fist. I, I confess it. Mm-hmm. I shook my fist in the face of God and said, why? Why? What have we done? Why, why have you taken this child from us? And I was so upset, so angry. I mean, now I feel ashamed. And then while I was sitting there, a Marathi man, an Indian man, came and sat beside me. Now, he was a friend of mine, and he w- we'd worked together, but he was an ex-leprosy patient, but he was a very clever guy in all sorts of practical ways, and he and I did a lot of the maintenance, and we did some different things, programs and projects together. And he sat beside me, and he put his arm around my shoulder, and he said, so you're one of us, are you? And mm. I said, what do you mean? I was yeah. angry. What do you mean? And he said, well, our babies die. We think we're very bad people, and so our babies die. But you're a good person. You're a missionary. And, and I but because your baby has died, we realize that you're one with us. Hmm. And the interesting thing was that he then said, we can listen to you now. Hmm. And I suddenly realized that, that between the so-called missionaries and the congregation, if you like, there was this barrier hmm. that we were seen as being superior beings, hmm. whereas they saw themselves as lower beings. And yet that was not the case. This brought me back to them, and that made all the difference in my ministry there. It was an amazing thing. There was a, a big turnaround. 
So we were, well, India in those days was not well provided for. There was no ice. There was no storeroom. There was no cold room. There was no nothing. Hmm. The child died in the evening and next morning by 8 o'clock, we had to take the child and bury the child. Not allowed to bury at nighttime. It was against the law. Hmm. So this child was, we had to go 70, 80 Ks to bury the child in a Christian cemetery you know that Hindus burn their dead and the Muslims bury, but Christians have to have a cemetery all of their own. So we had one about 70 Ks away. So we put the the little baby, well, strangely enough, I was almost out of action. Glad was completely out of action. And one of our lovely uh, missionary friends, she got an apple box. She put a little sheet around the apple box and placed the body of our beautiful child in that apple box. And there it was on the table. And in the morning, we, we put it in the back of the, the car and drove the 70, 80 Ks to the place where he'd be buried. Some kind friends had dug a, a grave for us. And when we got down there, I got into the grave itself and, and, and they handed me the apple box and I put it at the bottom of the grave mm. and uh, we sang in their language, safe in the arms of Jesus. Mm. It's a lovely old, so- lovely song that mm-hmm. still brings tears to my eyes whenever I hear it. But that was what happened when our baby died. And, and of course, we were traumatized by all of this. Glad mm. was still recovering from a difficult birth mm. and I was heartbroken completely. Mm. And we got a phone. Uh, I'd sent a telegram to my parents initially to say he's been born. We called him Robert William. Robert William's been born. He's hale and hearty. He's Everything's good. And I sent that from that little village uh, area and it had to go by Morse code to a major S area, area where they then send it by teletype or something like that. Mm. And when I when he died, I had to, well, I had to change things. I had to send the message saying uh, he was born, but now he's taken on the next day. And mm. so on our way down to bury him, we stopped at the big city where the teletype was and I walked into the telegram area and I said to them, I want to send an express telegram to Australia. And I, I, I wrote the telegram, Robert William born on 18th, taken on the 19th, help us, pray for us. Mm. And I sent that message to my parents. Mm-hmm. And the man in the, in the office there said to me, oh, oh, are you talking about this baby? And he, he brought me the telegram that I had sent on the day before from the office in, in the village. He said it came through on Morse code. I haven't sent it to Australia yet. I oh. said, thank God you haven't oh, wow. sent it to us. Yeah. Thank God. And mm-hmm. he said, I do have to send it. I said, well, w- delay sending it, delay sending it, because this one must go first. And mm-hmm. anyhow, it arrived and my father took it along to church and everyone obviously was concerned for us. They mm-hmm. prayed for us, mm-hmm. but they sent me a message and their telegram simply said, praying for you, read John chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. And of course, those verses simply say, when Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples, those verses say, 
as Peter argued, don't wash my feet, Jesus said, what I'm doing now, you don't understand, you will understand later. Look, I can tell you that verse was such a comfort to me. Mm -hmm. The fact is that we are God's servants. We've given our all to him. He's chosen to take our second baby to be with him, and yet he has a purpose. Mm. Well, I only found out that purpose eight years later. That purpose eight years later was this. There was a couple that we were contacting. She became a believer and a follower of Jesus, but he, he didn't, and he wasn't interested. They, unfortunately, were not able to have any children but they adopted a beautiful little boy and I was thrilled for them and blessed them and watched this little boy. I went off to preach in some village some three hours away and I was busily doing that work over a weekend and in the middle of my final message on a Sunday night, I saw a lad from our church in the city come to that little village put his hands up to me and say, stop, stop, stop. I stopped. He said, you've got to come. That little boy has died. Mm. Oh, I was heartbroken. So I drove home. I got home at 3 o'clock in the morning, and there on our coffee table was a little apple box. Mm. In that apple box was a baby boy. That little baby boy had to be buried and so next morning, we put that apple box in the back of the car, drove this time just the 20 Ks to where that cemetery was. Mm -hmm. Someone had dug a grave. I got down in the grave. I put that little apple box in the bottom of the grave. And then I went for a walk with the father, the one who had not been prepared to talk to me about the gospel, about the things of Jesus. And as we walked, he was very angry. He said, they don't understand. No one understands. I said, well, who are you talking about? He said, well, my officers, he's an army officer. Mm -hmm. He said, all my fellow officers, when I told them that my baby had died, they laughed. And they said, wasn't even your baby. He was, you adopted him. There's plenty more. You can get more. Oh, there's plenty of babies like that around. You can mm -hmm. get half a dozen if you like. He said, they don't understand. This was my son. I gave this boy my name. This boy is in my heart. No one understands. And I said, I do. He said, what would you? And it was quite bold. What would you understand? I said, come with me. And I showed him the grave of my son. Hmm. He said, oh, you do understand. I said, yes. Hmm. You know, he got transferred away because he was an officer and he progressed up the line, but he became a believer in Jesus. His wife kept corresponding with Glad. And I, went, I remember the letter that came which says, I'm wanting to tell you that my husband is now a follower of Jesus. Mm. Look, the joy that we felt. And I thought to myself, well, look, at a cost to us of the loss of our baby, this man will now be with us in heaven. And he mm. became a very senior officer in the Indian Army, so much so that he commanded Many, many, many men, and he became a believer. And so that incident was really tough. But at the same time, when we realize that God makes no mistake, and I want to tell you that Moses sang a song, and the song was 
in Deuteronomy where it says, Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His ways are perfect. All his ways are just or right. He does no wrong. And that has been in my heart ever since, ever since, knowing that when things like this happen, then God has a purpose and a plan. And my role is to be submissive and to surrender. Was there a heartache? Of course. Mm -hmm. Did we grieve? Of -hmm. course. We're human. But we could understand that God was prepared to take our child knowing, well, I, I, I think he trusted us in the taking of our child so that in the years to come we would be in a position to help that man, that very important man, to become a follower of Jesus. And so for me, uh, the incident was tough. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Yeah. Life was not easy, but it was a time when we proved the faithfulness of God in a very special way. I love you my life. You got down on one knee and you said this is everything that I dreamed it would be. And I'll walk with you, I'll talk with you for all my life. Well, that was part two of my conversation with Bill Ford, who's sharing his and his late wife Glad's story as a couple. We'll hear more of their life journey together next time as the Bill and Glad love story continues. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.